Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You found us yet again at www.dredhill.podbean.com. We may be one of the most shadow banned Bible podcasts known to mankind, but you found us anyway. Welcome to the podcast today. Last week, we started a series titled simply, What's Next? And that's not stated as a question, but just a fact. I'm going to inform you what's next. Today, the episode is entitled, What's Next? Worst road trip ever. And I'm recording this on Sunday, 31 January 2021. And we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 7. Now, in the series, What's Next? We're going to cover many topics that are of great interest to many people. What's going on in the world? What's the next event on God's calendar? Who, who might the Antichrist be? Not that I know that, but we're going to discuss, you know, who, who will rise to control the world? What, are, what is going on right now to prepare the way for that? You know, what's going to happen in the future politically, prophetically, with government and faith and churches and so on. Well, today, what's next? Worst road trip ever, as I mentioned. Road trips. Can't live with them, and you can't live without them. Now, me personally, I hate road trips. Nothing but breakdowns, flat tires, overheating engines, and wrecks just waiting to happen. Yet, like you, I've driven a lot of old cars. (laughs) Now, history, uh, there's a subject. History is like a ginormous road trip with breakdowns, flat tires, overheating engines, and wrecks before we finally run out of interstate and slam head-on, ready or not, into the end, the kingdom of God. Pastor Ed, you have a dark outlook, some of you might be saying right now. (laughs) Uh, No, no. Actually, I have the roadmap. And I'm like the Navy SEAL instructor that I saw in a documentary on television probably about 25 years ago. So here's this SEAL instructor. I think he probably was out at San Diego somewhere, obviously, in uh, buds with new SEAL recruits. Um, Hopefully, they wanted to be SEALs. And he's on the beach They're in their fatigues, and it's obviously cold, and they're freezing, and he's standing there in a t-shirt and shorts, and he's looking out at the sea at the horizon, and he just looks. He's not saying anything, and finally he turns around to the seal hopefuls and says, does anybody know what I'm looking for? Nobody dared answer, and finally he said, war. You see, he understood something that a lot of people want desperately to forget, that war is coming at all times, like it or not, and his job was to prepare them to be ready. Paraphrasing Gunny Hartman in Full Metal Jacket, you will learn to be Christians by the book. I will teach you. You will not fail. And the people said, hoorah. All right, I digress. Back to the road trip. Like all road trips, history has an endless stream of exit ramps. And like radio talk show host The Kimmer said, 
history. It's just one bleep thing after another. The Kimmers of Marines, simplify. <laughs> but we get what he means. You know, it's just event after event, and what's the point of it? But those exit ramps, let's talk about those. When Daniel, the prophet, who has been taken captive from Jerusalem and Israel into Babylonian captivity, so they're now living in what we would call modern-day Iraq, where Babylon is still located, the ruins of it. So he's been taken captive, and he's been forced to serve the king that conquered his country, that would be Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is dead. And now Nebuchadnezzar's grandson reigns in place of Nebuchadnezzar. So there's a new king in town. What would the future hold for God's people and the world with this new king? Now I want you to know that God is vitally concerned with Israel and Jerusalem in particular. Now he loves the people in China and Russia and Brazil and Australia and everywhere in the world, even in America. But he's vitally concerned with what happens to his chosen people, Israel, and Jerusalem in particular. And you might ask right now, why? What's the big deal about Israel and Jerusalem? Here it is. Jerusalem, for whatever reason, and it's fine with me, and I don't know the answer, Jerusalem has been chosen by God as his city. Jerusalem is where the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, presented himself as Messiah, was crucified, killed, buried, resurrected, and where he ascended from, and exactly where he is literally, physically going to return to and set up his millennial kingdom and his eternal reign. So that's why Satan is so concerned with Israel and especially Jerusalem. It stopped Jesus' time with Satan. Now he's already failed in that Jesus came and conquered death and ascended back to heaven and promised he's coming back to completely take over. So Satan wants to try to stop that if he can. Of course, he won't be able to, but he'll still try. But know this, what happens in world history in places like Austria, Germany, England, Brazil, India, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, has no and has had no direct effect on Jerusalem. God's focus is on Israel and specifically the city of Jerusalem in a way that it is not on the rest of the world. As much as he loves and cares for the people in the rest of the world, it is even more so focused on Jerusalem. Well, I don't like that. Well, hey, take it up with God. He chose Jerusalem. There it is. Now, exit ramps relating to Israel and Jerusalem. We want to see those, and that's why we're going to read what was prophesied here in Daniel 7, because 
the kings and their kingdoms that are about to be mentioned did have a direct effect on the well-being and the future of Israel and Jerusalem. But as we think about these exit ramps, and Daniel writes about them, and we'll, we'll read them in a moment, one of them is current. Daniel lives in one of them, Babylon. But we're going to see that five are still future to Daniel as Daniel writes. Now, as we read it, four are past to us and two are yet future to us. Because Daniel wrote this 2,500 years ago. But we are rapidly approaching, in, in my view, the very last human government, a global human government that has never existed before. It's anti-truth, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-freedom, and it's a government that will be smashed when Jesus Christ returns literally to this earth, not to take sides, but to take over. Let's read in Daniel chapter 7. So with that background, hopefully this will make more sense. And let me give you a warning before we start reading. For about the, I didn't actually count them up, for, for a bunch of verses here as I start out, Daniel is going to tell about this, this dream that he had, uh, this visions of his head in his dream, and he's going to describe it. And I'm not going to go into detail explaining it as he describes it. We'll just read it primarily. I may make a comment or two. Why? Because after he does that, Daniel approaches someone who explains to him exactly what it means. So uh, just in general terms, I don't have the date right here on my desk, but in general terms, Daniel wrote this roughly somewhere around 500 B.C. So uh, roughly 500 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born as a babe in Bethlehem, before he began his earthly ministry as a eternal God born in human form, Daniel wrote this about 500 years prior to that. Yet Daniel's vision leaps far ahead of us. We don't know how far, but even beyond this day in which I record this, this vision envisions well beyond that. All right, so let's read in Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, so this was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the, the new king in town. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart 
was given to it. Now, I believe here he's referring back to what happened historically to King Nebuchadnezzar when he acknowledged God. All right, back to verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld unto another. Excuse me, let me read that. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, it devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had 10 horns. I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire." A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed." I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. All right, now let me stop right here. 
What I've just read is the vision that Daniel had in his dream. He doesn't really understand what he has just seen. We can remember the image dream or vision that he had back in Daniel chapter 2 in the last episode, and we're reminded that it's very similar to that, as, as you will see. But Daniel doesn't understand really what he's seeing. What does it mean? So in the dream, he asked what I, I assume would be an angel, ask him, what does this mean? So we don't have to guess. That's what I'm saying. We're about to be told exactly what this vision means. All right, so let's go to verse 17. And think of this like we're on a road trip and you know what are we gonna be approaching? What did we just pass? What's happened already? What's gonna happen? And these exits just keep coming up. Think of it in terms of that. Well, now we're being handed the roadmap and we can see where, where we've already been and where we're going. Verse 17, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. All right, so let's break this out right here. We, we don't have to wonder. We are told specifically that these beasts that Daniel saw are specifically four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Now we remember back to the image dream, the, the various metals from gold to silver and so on, as you went down the, uh, down the image, as it was described, represented kingdoms. And yet we're told that the head of gold represented Nebuchadnezzar in particular. But primarily, the, the, the feeling you get when you look at that image dream is the kingdoms are primarily described. But here, we're told that these are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. There won't be midterm elections to reverse the result. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns to take over, it is completely permanent. Verse 19, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, that suggests intelligence, by the way, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things. And when he says that, he, he means like blasphemous things against God. And a mouth that spake very great things, whose look 
was more stout than his fellows. I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints. Now the saints would be the Jewish people right here. I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Now that's disturbing, isn't it? That the people of God are actually overcome by this hideous antichrist. But notice verse 22. If, if it ended right there at 21, I would be depressed. But verse 22 comes after 21. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and tread it down and break it in pieces. Now let's stop right there. Let's go back because the, the first part of the dream is not interpreted and it's easy to do when we see this, but he's interpreting that fourth kingdom, which is what troubled Daniel so much. So let's go back and let's remember what he's seen in this dream. He saw a kingdom that was like a lion that was weaned. You remember that? By the way, guess which kingdom in world history that had two symbols that represented it. One was, a, was an eagle. The other was, guess what? A winged lion. And you remember that from world history, hopefully, that was the kingdom of Babylon in which Daniel lived right now. Now that kingdom, as mighty as it was, and it conquered Jerusalem and took uh, Judah cap uh, captive back to Babylon, and that's how Daniel got to Babylon. That kingdom only lasted about 66 years. Did you know that? And it was this Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, who is now the king that Daniel is, is under, basically. I don't think Belshazzar respected Daniel or even cared who he was until we read about the handwriting on the wall episode, which happened the very night that the Medes and Persians conquered Babylon. Babylon fell instantly in one night at 66 years of age. Did you know that? And Nebuchadnezzar was that original king. Well, now Belshazzar is king, but he won't be king very long because what I just told you is going to happen even in Daniel's lifetime, even on the very night that Daniel interpreted that handwriting on the wall, all right? But the Medes and Persians conquered Babylon virtually without a fight in one night. Wow. Talk about instant downfall. Well, the Medes and Persians were essentially two kingdoms that, that were put into one. They didn't get together all that well. They did last as a kingdom about 208 years, but it was Cyrus that was the great king of, of uh, Persia. You remember that? And he allowed the Jewish people 
to return to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild, just as had been prophesied about him by the prophet Isaiah, all right? So think about your world history now, and some of you are cheating right now by looking this up, uh, searching online. I know what you're doing. I can see it. (laughs) The next kingdom that's mentioned uh, after this winged lion and then the bear, and notice that even in the vision of the bear that it raised up on one side, so Persia eventually overcame the Medes and became the dominant force in the Medo-Persian Empire. It essentially became a Persian Empire. And uh, as I said, Cyrus, the king of Persia, was raised up to return the Jewish people back to Jerusalem. But the next kingdom is a leopard. You remember that? We, we just read it. It was a leopard that had four heads. Um, I believe it was a winged leopard. Yeah, uh, let's see, where are we? Verse six, after this I beheld and lo, another like a leopard. You know, leopards are fast. They're speedy. Like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. So it was super fast. The beast also had also four heads and dominion was given to it. Well, guess which kingdom that was? That was the Greek kingdom of, you know who, Alexander the Great. He conquered the Mediterranean world in about 12 years. Unheard of. The speed with which he rolled across that part of the world that affected Israel so so directly. And yet, even though it was a great kingdom, as you know, Alexander died uh, very young. I forget the age. I think it was 28, I think. But he died, and his four generals, you remember those guys, Cassander took over the Grecian area. Uh, Let's see, the next one was Lysimachus, who took over um, Asia Minor. And you remember the next one, Seleucus, who took over the area of Syria, and Ptolemy, who took over the Greek interest in Egypt, from where, from whence came Cleopatra and all those blonde-haired, you know, light, light-skinned, uh, uh, light-haired people that ruled Egypt under Cleopatra and Mark Antony and all of that. So all of those kingdoms, even though Daniel lived in the Babylonian kingdom and he would would live into the Medo-Persian kingdom, he could not personally, obviously, have lived into the kingdom of Alexander the Great. So he knows Babylon's going to fall, and he was there when it happened. He knows Medo-Persia is going to fall. He knows that future to him, Greek empire under Alexander the Great is going to fall. But then he mentions a fourth empire, a kingdom. And that would have been under the king. Remember, he mentions four kings, right? That would have been under Augustus Caesar, when his forces, I believe at Actium, beat Mark Antony's forces, Caesar Augustus became the ruler of Rome and of the known world. 
And there was a saying about Rome. It was the Iron Heel of Rome. You remember that? Rome simply militarily and governmentally dominated the known world around Israel and directly affected Israel in in very awful ways, right? But even he would not live forever. And so the Babylonian kingdom lasted 66 years. The Medo-Persian kingdom, about 208 years, I think it was. Uh, Alexander's kingdom, about 165 years, and it split into four, represented by those four heads, but it fell to Rome and to Caesar Augustus. And Rome, even though Caesar Augustus didn't live 500 years, Rome existed in that form for about 500 years. And by the way, it split into two, if you remember from the image dream, you know, the, the, uh, the empire under Rome and the empire under Constantinople. You remember that from world history. All right, now, Daniel notices, though, when it's interpreted for him, that this fourth kingdom just decimated everybody. But then he noticed those 10 horns. You remember that? Uh, the number 10, not T-I-N, 10 horn, but the, uh, the number 10. So let's go back to verse 20, because here we start seeing something that is, I think, beginning to even affect us right now. Because here's a concept that I want you to wrap your heart and mind around. Babylon fell and literally in one night. The Medo-Persian Empire was conquered by the Greeks. The Greek Empire under Alexander split into four, but the, the, the resulting weak Greek Empire that happened was defeated by Caesar Augustus. I believe it was in 31 BC at Actium. Now, I wasn't actually there, but I heard about it. Now, all of these instantly came to an end. Do you see what I'm saying? And even though Caesar Augustus, you know, physically died at a certain point, Rome went on 500 years And even though Rome was attacked and it had massive problems, just like America today, and it fell, it never actually was put out of business. It's kind of in a coma. And you will often hear Bible prophecy students talk about the revived Roman Empire because that system of Rome is still very much present within the governments of the world. And it's going to be revived again. And this last expression of the Roman Empire under the one we know of as the beast or the Antichrist. So let's look at verse 20. And of the 10 horns that were in his head and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth and that uh, mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Very specifically, when this, this final human government that's global, this has never happened before, a government that 
controls the entire world, literally, at one time. When this happens, it'll be the kingdom of the Antichrist, of the beast. The first three and a half years will be fairly fairly good, so to speak. But the last three and a half years, and I say this reverently, will be hell on earth. As God declares war against a Christ-rejecting world, and the Antichrist declares war against the Jewish people in Israel and specifically in Jerusalem, and he will overcome those people. Now, there will be a remnant saved, and we'll get more into that later. But you know what? In spite of that last global government, and I believe when we see things like the Great Reset, um, other things, UN agendas, uh, 2020 and 2030 and all of this, and the Green Movement and everything that goes with that, and we're, we're going to talk about more of these things as we go forward. When we see all of that, I think that we're seeing the the very real actual groundwork for this final global government to be put in place so that it can for, enforce absolute rule over the earth. I believe we are, uh, like, like let's say a flood is coming, our feet are starting to get a little wet right now. Think of it that way. Now, the wonderful thing about that is verse 22. So this, this final global government, which is a revival of that original Roman Empire, which just completely dominated the known world around Israel for 500 years until it just kind of faded out under the weight of all of its problems, it's coming back but it's coming back with a vengeance. And it will actually be satanically, literally satanically energized in its efforts. But it will end too. It will fall too. You know, when God looks across the smoking wreckage of human government throughout world history, the thing that that God knows is whereas the world looks on the alleged glory of these kingdoms, the Lord just sees a bunch of wild animals that he's got to put down. Verse 22, until the ancient of days came, that's God the Father, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. Now, I can't tell you exactly how all of this is going to happen, but I know that right now the World Economic Forum essentially has the world, the United Nations and all of these deep state, one world globalist types, 
basically look at the world as 10 regions right now. And so I'm assuming that somebody will eventually head up these 10 regions. I mean, that's my thoughts. But it will be completely global and non-optional, or you die. It's pretty simple. And shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the 10 horns out of this king are 10 kings that shall arise and, and another shall rise after them and he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. So somehow this, this other horn that he sees is gonna take out three of these leaders and he's gonna become the leader. We know of him as the beast, the Antichrist. Verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. So a time would be one year. Times would be plus two more years, right? And the dividing of time would be a half. So for three and a half years, 42 months, that's the last half of the 70-year tribulation that Jesus Christ called the Great Tribulation, that last half. It is during that time that this beast will have firm control over the entire world. And it's because it says there, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. But I love this, verse 26 follows verse 25. <laughs> but the judgment shall sit. Like this, this little pipsqueak antichrist dude is gonna be running his kingdom and he's gonna be considered all that and a bag of chips, but God says, not so much. And God comes in and takes him out. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it under the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven should be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Wow. We've seen here, even in the prophecy of Daniel, just a long string of these, quote, kingdoms. And they don't last very long because the Lord takes them down. And he's going to take down this last final human government, this global antichrist, anti-freedom, anti-truth government. And he's just gonna smash it. And he's gonna take over. Verse 28, hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. This is something that Daniel, uh, other than writing it down, he just didn't know what to do with this, except that he now knew the general flow, uh, that roadmap of the, of the road trip of world history. And John the Apostle, I believe, was raised up to write the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ to explain many of these things in even greater 
detail, but Daniel explained what he was given to explain at this point. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Why did God give us this roadmap? So we can see where we are before it's too late. Long story short, I read the end of the book, you know, the Bible, and we win. Saints win, saints win, saints win. Amen. Not only the Jewish people at the end when when they realize Jesus Christ is their Messiah and he returns to rescue them in Jerusalem, but also all people who place their full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're grafted in. We get in on the wind too. Amen. Now, we may feel like sometimes we've been cheated out of elections and this has happened and that's happened. God sees it and he waits. But I assure you, friends, judgment is coming either in this life or in the next life. And the Lord will set it straight. Now, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your road trip will turn out. And instead of slamming into the kingdom of God, being unready for that and ending up in an eternal hell under the weight of your own sin, you can trust in Jesus Christ today and be welcomed into the kingdom of God and eternity with God. I'm going to give you a phone number. I want you to write this down. I hope you will call it today. But even if you don't do this now, I'm pretty sure the times are coming where you will want to use this phone number. But don't wait until it's too late. I want you to write this down. 877-247-2426. One more time. 877-247-2426. I hope you write that down. I hope you will call that number if you are not sure how your eternity is going to turn out. If you're one of those people when you're asked, where will you spend eternity? And you say, I don't know. I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad. Hey, good luck on that one. That's not how it works anyway. Or if you're one of those people who says, ha, 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 I'm going to go to hell and spend eternity partying with my friends. Hey, I'm telling you, that's not how hell works, dude. You better rethink that strategy real fast. You need to write this number down, 877-247-2426. Call that number and someone will help you become sure about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and how to spend eternity with him. Thank you for listening. We are still being shadow banned. I want you to help me. I want you to email the link to our podcast, www.dredhill.podbean.com, to your network of people you care about and ask them to listen. You can even, from where you're listening to this podcast right now, you can even press the right button to share this with others right now by email or on any of the social media sites that you would like to. I want you to tell people about this, that you're concerned about their relationship 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to become a missionary with me and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We're just one of many places where people can come to know the Lord. This week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. I thank you so much for listening today. And by faith, I thank you so much for taking the time to share this with others. Thank you, and if the Lord doesn't come first, I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you in our next episode. God bless. Bye-bye.